0: Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have to study scriptures, your word this evening. We pray, Lord, that you open our eyes of understanding, open our ears that will hear you, and Father, help us to respect and honor your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, this evening we are going to study, start studying about the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Then. My appeal to everybody listening is to please be invested in this thing, be totally engaged, be serious about learning, and reminding yourself how the Holy Spirit guides you. It's central to how you live your Christian life. It's very important that you understand this and that you really practice it. God promised us guidance in Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. That's a promise. I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise you and watch over you. But in verse nine, he told us. He tells us, "Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control." He's telling us we need to be willing to be guided. He promises to guide, but we, he's not going to force us. So we need to be willing to be guided by His Spirit. Guidance by the Holy Spirit is one of the ways we live the spirit life and fulfill God's will for our lives in Romans chapter 8 verse 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God that's the way sons of God live their lives being guided by the holy spirit and then guided by the holy spirit is one way is a way we get out of uh, get some get our healing get our needs met One way we get our needs met, including healing. And to save us from the devil's many traps. The devil sets a lot of traps for Christians. And then the Bible teaches us that it is the Spirit of God that guides us away from the traps that the devil sets for us. And like I said, it's one way we get our needs met. And we get healing too. Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah, because he guides you, you shall not want. Remember what he said at the beginning. He said, I will guide you in the best path for your life. The best path for your life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me, look at what he does when he leads us. He leadeth me beside still waters. Verse 3. He restored my soul. He leaded me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. So you can see the the benefits of being led of the Lord. I shall not want your needs are met. Makes you lie down in green patches where you feed. Spiritual meal, natural meal. He leads us in the best part of our life. He leaded me beside the still waters, waters that that will quench your spiritual thirst. He restored my soul. He leaded me in the path of righteousness. So in Psalm 91, verse 2, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him, verse 3, for he will rescue you from every trap, and protect you from deadly diseases. If you let him guide you, he will guide you away from the traps that the devil sets for children of God. Because some of these things, you don't even know them. You don't even know them, but only God knows them. But He will lead you away from the trap that the enemy has set for your lives. Then guidance will help us overcome the deceit of the enemy. In 1 John 2:18, dear children, the, la- the last hour is here. You have heard that the antichrist is coming, and already many such antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. Verse 19. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left it, it, pr- it proved that they did not belong with us verse 20 but you are not like that for the holy one has given you his spirit and all and all of you know the truth so i'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth but because you know the difference between truth and lies and the reason you know that is because he has given you his spirit to guide you to guide you in verse 26 i'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray and the scripture said there are many of them I call them Antichrist many of them so many of them coming in all manner of all manner of names forms and shapes who want to lead you astray many he said these are the last days he said I'm writing this things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray so, You you don't want them to lead you. You want the Holy Spirit to lead you, who will lead you into all truth. And in verse 27, but you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone now to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. So you need to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the Holy Spirit so that you are safe from all these people who want to lead us astray into strange doctrines. In John sixteen thirteen, the Bible says, How be it when he, the Holy the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He is the one that will guide us into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and will show you things to come. 14, he shall glorify me, For he shall receive of mine and will show it unto you. Now, the Holy Spirit, from what we read now, the Holy Spirit will point you always to Jesus Christ. It says, he shall glorify me. He will lift me up. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus Christ. And the gospel, why deceivers, will point you to miracles, visions, Prophecies, main power, and away from grace, legalism of self-righteousness, and mostly self-effort, roundly condemned by scriptures. And Paul rejected that. Said, "I don't want this righteousness that comes from me. I want the one that comes from Christ, the one that is a product of the grace of God." You see, the grace of God made me what I am. I said on Sunday that grace has delivered us from self-effort the arm of the flesh. Now grace has offered us the arm of the Lord. It it says in Isaiah 53, who shall believe our report, so that the arm of the Lord will be revealed. I was telling us the arm of the Lord is Christ, how he died for us, how he healed us, how he gave us righteousness. If you read Isaiah 53, you see that it's describing what, what God did for us in Christ Jesus, revealing the arm of the Lord. Christ, the power of God. The Holy Spirit points us to the power of God, Christ himself. But these deceivers, we we point you away from Christ. They may mention in Jesus' name and all that. But the focus of their teaching is to remove your eyes from the grace of God. They will condemn the grace of God. They will condemn the same grace that came, that God sent, to deliver us from iniquity and from sin. Because they don't know what it is. So they will point you to self-effort, self-effort, so much energy, doing this, doing that, all of that yourself. It will not point you to what God has done and what God is doing in Christ Jesus. It will not focus on Christ, the the foundation. It will not focus on Christ, the source of your faith. So it's easy to know these things. They will focus on self-righteousness, self-effort, religious things you do, you know, punishing yourself, doing all those kind of things. The Bible condemns in the book of Colossians. And the Bible tells us that those things, they are useless when it comes to living the life of God. says It is self-punishment. It gives you, you think, man, this has to be it. As if God requires another sacrifice apart from the sacrifice on the cross. So the Christian must know this very clearly. Colossians 2.2 I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Which is Christ himself. I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying in verse 3. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you don't have to go outside of Jesus. You can't go outside of Jesus. In verse 4. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well crafted arguments. You see what the Holy Spirit is pointing to? This antichrist, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They've crafted these things to deceive you. And then he says, No, you must understand that God's mistrust plan is Christ himself for you. There's no other plan but Christ himself for you. That's why the Holy Spirit will focus you on Jesus Christ himself. In verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Verse 7, let your roots grow down into him and let your life be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see what the Holy Spirit is doing? He says you must grow strong in the Lord. Your root must grow deep in Jesus Christ. He is the God's plan for your life. Deceivers will take you away from him substitute Jesus with fastings and all these things, religious activity, rituals, you know, men, women, all manner of stuff presenting themselves as the present day Christ, the deliverers and Jesus said, they will come in my name. Say, I am he, I am your deliverer. I am the anointed one. My prayer works as me. Verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. The Holy Spirit called this nonsense. In verse 9, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body, so you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are complete. You don't need, you don't need anything. You, don't need, you are complete. You are okay. You are, you are good. So in, the scriptures are also given by the Holy Spirit for basis of all teachings. I want to emphasize this. The basis of every teaching and doctrine in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is to be given to you only by scripture. There is no grounds to teach based on visions, dreams, uh, miracles, or any other thing. The only source of doctrine for the church of the living God is the Bible, the, the word breathed by the Holy Spirit. Written by holy men, moved by the Holy Spirit. There is no other source of doctrinal teaching. There is no other source of teaching doctrine in the body of Christ. You can't teach because you had a vision. You can't use your vision as a basis for doctrine. You can't use your dream as a basis for doctrine. You can't use your miracle as a basis for doctrine. It is not, the scripture doesn't teach that. Dreams are good, visions are good, miracles are wonderful. As long as they confirm what the scripture says, but they are not basis for your faith they are not basis christ is the only basis for your faith they are not the basis of your faith you, they are not the author and finisher of your faith christ himself is the only foundation upon which your faith can lay he is the object of your faith not miracles not visions not dreams not those things those things are good i'm not saying they're bad but they can only confirm what you already know from scripture that the scripture teaches you. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. I am saying this because many deceivers are in the world. These are the last days. People are desperate for answers. And the Bible says, don't let them capture you. That's the word he used. Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. This is why God gave it. Profitable for do- doctrine is the set of belief that you have to have. Your belief system. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's why God gave us scripture. It's for doctrine. It's for reproof. It's for correction. It's for instruction in righteousness. God didn't give us dreams, visions, and all those things for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. No. But like I'm saying, I'm not condemning them. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. But as long as those things, as long as those things confirm what the scripture gives you. So the basis of your doctrine, in spite of what manifestation you observe, is to go back to Bible. That's where your doctrine comes from. That's where your reproof comes from. That's where your correction comes from. That's where instruction in righteousness comes from. I'm talking because people are deceiving people bamboozling them with all my the Bible says all these things are nonsense let's look at the example for instance in Acts chapter 26 verse 22 this is Paul having therefore obtained help of God I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great saying none other things than those with the prophets and Moses did say should come, saying not tell nothing else except what the scripture they wrote. These people wrote in scripture, except what the scripture says. I am not saying anything else. And this man had incredible experience with God. He had incredible manifestations of the Spirit with his life. But he said that's not the basis of my teaching. The basis of my teaching is what the prophets and Moses wrote, scripture in verse in Acts twenty-eight verse twenty-three. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from scriptures. Using the Lord of Moses and the books of the prophet, he spoke to them from morning until evening. From morning until evening, he said, I don't speak, I don't, Talk of any other thing except what the prophets and Moses have written. And here the Bible says from morning to evening the man added nothing except scripture. Persuading them about Jesus Christ from scripture, from scripture, from scripture. Brethren, you need to walk safe. We need to walk safe. Stay where the Bible says to stay. Stay under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He inspired the scripture. The Bible is the only book that God wrote himself. Holy men of God wrote as the Holy Spirit inspired them. So these people who want to deceive us, because they know people are easily taken in by supernatural things. People are, because the, 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 the word of God is not enough for them. They're always looking for goose pimples and feelings, and even the devil knows that. So he sells it to them, and they fall like a pack of cats. Again, guidance is taught by prophets. There is no scripture that says you should be led and guided by prophets. In the Old Testament, they were led by prophets because only the prophet, the king, and the priest were anointed to be in those offices. Remember that when God called somebody to be a priest, they were anointed with holy oil. So they carried the anointing of God. Remember Moses had the anointing of God on him. And the the kings, David was anointed to be king. The prophets were anointed to, to be prophets. So they were the only people who had the anointing of God opted for anything. Because they were dead in sin and trespasses, all of them. From their king to their prophets, all of them. All of them. They were dead in sin and trespasses. Nobody had life until Jesus came. There was, the, the Bible said there is no other name given unto man by which was saved. There is no salvation provided for man except through the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross. And so at that time, they will go to the priest, uh, the prophet, and ask him and the, and the prophet will do his stuff and tell them what the Lord is saying, what God is saying. But in the New Testament, the Bible said, as many as are now led by the Holy Spirit are God's children. Why? In John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you are a sheep, God says you hear my voice. Don't need no prophet. You do not need no prophet at all. If you are a sheep of God, he says you should hear his voice, and you should, you should be able to follow him. And God has no superior or favored people. Galatians 3:26. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. All of us, <laughs> everybody, prophet and not. We are all children of God, and if children, we, we have the same, the same covenant with God. And then Acts 10, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Access to God is what everybody, every chapter of God has the privilege to have. The Bible says we have access by the same spirit. Everybody has access to the Father, by the same spirit, the spirit of Christ. Through the sacrifice of Calvary, we have access to God. So we have access to know to hear from God, to, uh, the, the spirit of our, our Father. It's your privilege. It's my privilege. And nobody has more corner on this than another person. Nobody. Just because somebody is being used of God doesn't mean he's in the eyes of God is superior to you. No. 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 It's not true. There are areas you are you are more gifted than the person. You may not know but there are areas you are more gifted than the person. Everybody's important. In the eyes of God. Because Jesus died for all of us equally. Nobody had more from the death of Jesus than another person. No. And let me repeat it. That God is using somebody. doesn't mean he's superior to other children of God. We are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That's what matters. And so you don't have to go to a prophet to, to guide you. And, and no, no, no. You don't have to do that. Well, people can give you counsel. People can give you counsel. But that counsel has to agree with what you God already was ministering to you in your spirit. We will we'll get there as, 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 uh, with time as we are teaching about the Gandas of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's see that the, the New Testament prophet is not assigned to guide people. They can confirm some things for you, but that's not guidance. They can confirm things that will happen, but they are not equipped to know, to know how God is leading you. They are not equipped. They can tell you this will happen, this will happen, but they are not equipped to, understand, to to tell you the will of God concerning your life. They are not equipped. Now let's see it right here in Acts 21 verse 8. And the next day we were, in the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. Now and the same man had four daughters virgins who did prophesy now we meet these people these virgins who prophesy and as we tarried there many days there came down from judea a certain prophet again named agabus and when he was come unto us he took paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet and said thus said the holy ghost so shall the jews at jerusalem bind the man that owned this cattle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That's all a prophet can do. But he's not gonna, he doesn't know God's plan for you. That's all he can do. He can tell you, I see this is going to happen to you. That's it. How that fits into God's plan for you, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Okay, they are going to ban Paul. Yeah, he saw it. Sure. But how does it fit into God's plan for Paul? He doesn't know. So you see, you don't go to a prophet to tell you anything. Okay, so, uh, so let's finish reading it in verse uh, 12. And when we heard these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. You see, they used that prophecy to start guiding him. They say, you don't have to go. They started to guide him. They didn't know God's plan for him. And they were guiding him blindly. Did God tell, him, tell them to tell him not to go? No. Why did they get the idea that they must stop it? <laughs> Why did they get the idea? It was like Jesus talking about going, going and uh, you know, the son of man will be killed. And Peter said, don't go. Don't talk like that. Exactly the same thing. So in verse 12, and when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. The question is, did God tell you people that he shouldn't go there? 13. Then Paul answered, what me to weep and to break my heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we will not be persuaded, we cease saying, now they said the correct thing. <laughs> the will of the Lord be done. That's the one thing they said correct. After they saw what will happen, the only thing they said correctly here is the will of the Lord be done. And God didn't reveal it to them. Because Paul is the one that God will reveal his will to him, to Paul. Not them. Not them. Okay, now let's see God's will for Paul. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15. I want you to see how a prophet can see but doesn't know God's plan for him. Because he's not you. And God is your father. He will show you. He said, I will guide you in the best way of your life. He didn't say, I will guide you through somebody else. Because he's your father. No father that, there's no good father that shows favoritism. No. God doesn't. He no, said, "I don't. I'm not respectful of persons. I love my children equally. They all, we all have the same privileges with God." So now in Acts nine fifteen, but the Lord said unto him, "Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Listen to God's plan to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel." Sixteen, for I will show him how great things he must, must suffer for my name's sake. God says uh, a, he has to go through this thing. He must suffer it. And this boy said, oh, because you are going to suffer, don't go. They have no idea that God said this, he must. For my name's sake, he will suffer this thing. It's a path chosen for him. And Paul said, I'm preaching this gospel, but I don't want you to also have the same bonds that I have. He said, because this is my bond. This is my bond. This is the path I must go. The Holy Spirit said. The great things he must suffer, must for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Paul, the Lord living Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou comest has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately there fell from his eyes as he had been scarce, and he received sight forthwith and rose and was baptized. So you see that going to a prophet is a huge mistake. God has given you the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. You must develop that relationship with him to be able to know how he guides you. That's right. this type of teaching is very important. Every Christian should be able to listen to this type of teaching and make sure that you are following scripture as he reveals to you how the Holy Spirit guides you. Secondly, depending on prophets... It's wrong because even what it tells you may be wrong, like we said. But that's why the Bible says, judge all things. Prove all things. First Thessalonians five nineteen: Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying, but prove all things and hold fast to which is good. Leave the ones that is not correct. Hold fast to which is good. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. Why judge? Because it could be wrong. It could be wrong. So, if he's wrong, you are following him, or both of you are wrong. So, prophecy should be judged. When we come to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we are going to talk about this by the grace of God. Now, how about influential people? These are not prophets, you know. These are big names, big, big names, you know, that we respect. And we should respect them. I'm not saying we shouldn't respect people. We should respect them. But... You cannot exalt a human being above the written word of God. That's creating a God for yourself. You cannot exalt a man above God's written word. You are creating an idol of a man. And all this song, I, I will never worship man made God. You're already worshiping one. You do not exalt a man above the written word of God. In the beginning was the word. The Bible said and the world was with God and the world was God. If you exalt a man above the written word, you have exalted that man above God. So you have to judge what a man says regardless of his title and position. You must judge it by the scripture given to you for doctrine, for reproof, instructions. You must judge it. It's your job to prove all things. The Holy Spirit said prove it Check it out. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship towards the Holy Temple and praise in thy name for thy, for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. If God exalts his word above all his name, how dare we exalt human beings above the word of God? First Corinthians 4. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Don't think of men above that which is written. That no one of you be puffed up for one against the other. So because you think he's so so so, so you are so puffed up about him. Even when he's wrong, even when he's in error. You think of, you above that which is written, you are puffed up, you are boasting about a man, a human being. I thought the scripture said our boast should be in the Lord, not in men. That will die. That will die. Now, sometimes when you are praying or you're fasting, or you're doing spiritual exercise, or even at the altar in church, it's not everything that comes to your mind that is from God. People think, you know, because I'm fasting, that must be God. It's not true. It is not true. You still have to judge it. It's not everything that you hear when you are praying that's from God. That you are praying does not mean the, the, the devil will tempt you. That the fasting doesn't mean the devil... Jesus was tempted right in the... 40 days of no food. The devil showed up right there. Right there. So if he showed up when Jesus was fasting... Well, well, where he was not eating food, and the Holy Spirit led him there. Led him there. If the devil showed up there, why do you think he will show up when you are fasting or praying? Even when you are praying, he will show up and give you dirty thoughts and all manner of things, trying to disconnect you from your prayer. So it's not everything that comes to you while you are praying that is of God. It's not everything now. Huh? But people have thought, oh, well, because I was praying and I had it, it must be God. It's not true. Absolutely not true. If you believe that, you are, you are, you are handing yourself over to the devil to deceive you and deceive you miserably. And then some people have this idea they can't be wrong because they think they are special. They have special anointing or special relationship with God. There's nothing like that. God has no specials. God has no favorite. God has no special specials. That, that is, that's from somebody's mind. It's not scriptural at all. So they think, you know, because I've been a Christian 18 years, 20 years, 40 years, and because I know men of God, you know, some people, they, they evaluate their relationship with God by how many men of God they know, and they always craving to know men of God. Anyone that shows up, they go f- and follow him, get his number, and say, you know, I know this person. It's a amount of canality that's going on, because people are not growing you know men of God, you should know Jesus. It's no scripture that says well, you know men in men. You should know Jesus. You should know, grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Grow in grace, not in men. So some people have this idea, you know, that there are special people <laughs> for whatever reason in their mind. So they can be wrong. So anything they hear must be God. I don't know anybody who has never made mistakes. I have made a lot of mistakes myself. I have. I found out that it is not God, though. Ah, uh, and that doesn't mean you are not a good Christian. Really, when you acknowledge your mistakes, you are a very good Christian. Only God is perfect in all his ways. Only God. And anybody who laughs at you because you have made a mistake, that person is a carnal Christian. It's a seriously because you are in good company. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody. God looks at our heart. He knows our heart. He knows we 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 do this with the best of our knowledge. Paul said, I did this in ignorance. But God had mentioned me because I did in ignorance. We do things because we believe it's God. That's how we learn. Have you seen any learning process that is without mistake? There's no growth and learning process that excludes mistakes. It includes mistakes. That's how we learn. That's how we learn. So that it's not God that told you something doesn't mean you are not spiritual. Really, that shows you are very spiritual because you are not able to say, okay, 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 wow, I made a mistake here. And you learn that that is not the route. That thing is not the route. So if you believe that you will never, that anything that comes to your mind is God, you're already deceived. And the devil will see to it. He will use it against you. And then you know all these people going around saying they are prophets. Having a word from the Lord for everybody. Everybody. Have a word from the Lord for you. A word from the Lord. A word. For, avoid them. Totally avoid them. You can't have a word from the Lord for, for everybody, everybody. Have a word from the Lord. Have a word from the Lord. If you check those people, they're usually troublemakers. In their homes, their homes are not stable. There are people who like to dominate people with thoughts says the Lord. They want to enforce their own domination by thoughts. That's a witchcraft spirit. Avoid people like that. God doesn't give a word from the Lord all the time. Word for everybody. Everybody word from the Lord, was from the Lord. You should avoid such people, I'm telling you, because there are a lot of them there trying to intimidate you with thought says the Lord. I remember a sister that day, somebody came to her house and came out in the morning and said, thought says the Lord, the sister came and said, and thought says the Lord to get out of my house, get out from here. So you should avoid such people. Are troublemakers. Again, let's understand that every supernatural manifestation is not of God. Every vision, every dream, everything, not all of them is from God. Not all of them. Second Thessalonians 2.9 This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on they are way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. They, refi- they, will, not, they will not listen to scripture. They will not. Because people crave for supernatural things, they, they go for it, they fall for it easily. And because they don't have the love of the truth, they don't want to be guided by this truth, they, the truth, the enemy will deceive them easily. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. He says, these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an apostle, an angel of the light. See? And 15. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment they will get Look at Acts 16, 16. And see the deceit of Satan clearly. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon possessed slave girl. She was a fortune, teller, a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her, her masters. Because what he was telling them was working. That's why they will come back. That's why they will come back. 17. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Listen to the devil's deception here. Shouting. These men are servants of the most high God and I've come to tell, tell you how to be saved. Is it not what they were teaching? Is it not what they were preaching? The Bible said the, the, the devil will, will, will camouflage himself as an angel of light. Was it not what Paul was preaching, how to be saved? Is it not what he was preaching? He signed these things very quickly. And you'll see why we are not able to do that. Very soon. You'll see why. Now, as he was saying that, verse 18. This went on day after day. So Paul didn't jump in immediately. He didn't jump in immediately. He waited for the, for the Holy Spirit to inspire him. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within him. You remember, the Bible talked about Jesus that the zeal of the Lord made him go to the temple and drive away these people. So the anointing can come on you and make you really, 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 a, it makes you angry. So you do what God wants you to do, against the enemy, not against you, not that you're not fighting human beings, so it's against the enemy. It's against the enemy. It's against the enemy. So Paul got his despotrated that he turned and said to the demons within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And then suddenly he left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. See, she lost the ability to see all those visions and things. Because that demon left. Now, because the devils know that we crave for all these supernatural things. So he will do it. He will give it to you. You know, he will give you what you want. You don't want scriptures. The Bible is not enough for you. Bible studies, you are not interested. You are not developing yourself. You want ritualism. You want all these all self-effort things. You know, for 30 days, dry hundred. You want all those things. But to be grounded in the Lord, you talk like them. They, you talk Jesus, 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 Jesus. But there's a different spirit in you. Because you are, you'll be deceiving people and taking them along to all those places and all those places. But you try to speak the same language with them. Like the devil is a deceitful spirit. So how does God lead us? God leads us by our spirit, not by our senses, not by our emotions, not by our feelings. Let me repeat it: God leads you and I by our spirit, not by our emotions, not by our senses, not by our feelings, but by our spirit. Romans 8.16 The spirit itself beareth it witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Not with my feeling. Not with my goose pimple. Not with my senses. Not with what I see. Not with how I feel. That is the flesh. The Holy Spirit does not bear witness with your flesh it's with your spirit he testifies together with your spirit what god is doing and why because it's only your spirit that god created to be like him in the class of god fellowship is by class your flesh is not spirit so you cannot fellowship with god who is spirit and because they can't fellowship with God, who is spirit, and so God cannot be witnessing with your flesh. It's it, it just like you going to fellowship with goats. And, uh, what kind of fellowship? They are not in your class. But goats fellowship with goats, they understand their language. You can't, you, can't, you can't have a fellowship with goats. You can't. And there's some of these people who think that animals have spirits and they baptize animals and all these animal-loving people. Those animals don't have spirits. God is a spirit. The only people that God created in his image of spirit are human beings. There's no scripture that says the animals were created in the image of God. God is a spirit. So if God, God is a spirit, so he created human beings to be in his class as spirits. He didn't create animals as spirits. they don't have spirits. So we can't have fellowship with animals. The same thing, God can't have fellowship with your flesh because flesh is flesh. It's not spirit. So you can't have fellowship with your goose pimples and all that kind of things. God does not guide you through those feelings and what you see because there is no fellowship between God and them and your flesh. There is fellowship between God and your spirit. Between God and your spirit. Because your spirit is created to be like God, God is a spirit. He created you to be like God. You were born a spirit. Born again, born that which is born of the spirit, a spirit. Begotten of God. Born spirit. So you can fellowship with God, who is a spirit. God is not a man. So you can not fellowship with my flesh, which will die and decay here. There's no witnessing. There's no fellowship. There's no sharing. There's nothing. But God witnesses, shares with my spirit. In fellowship, what is doing? Look at the uh, Ephesians 4.24, Put on your new creature, your new nature, created to be like God, you see, truly righteous and holy. 1 John 1 3. That which you have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also have, may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What much, but we, we need to go find out what God is saying. God is saying, if you want to worship me, don't worship me with your goose pimples and with your you know, feelings, and because I'm a spirit. Those things are flesh. I don't have fellowship with your flesh. You can't worship me with how you feel. You can't worship me with those things. I don't communicate with your flesh at all, because this flesh is a flesh of sin. God can, it doesn't even know what God is doing. So you don't come and worship God and be doing, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Those things are just not part of it. These things come from kind of mind. Sometimes we want to impress people that we are in the spirit, so-called spirit. You're already in the color. You worship God by your spirit and truth. Your spirit that knows who God is. Aren't you worshiping God about his faithfulness? About his holiness? That's the truth. You need to know who he is. Jesus said you worship what you don't know. We should know God and worship him. Those are the things that worship is about exalting who God is now. And about the works of God is done. That's the truth. And only your spirit understands these things. Paul said that God is here now. Feel all you want to. You can feel all you want. That feeling is not too important. You would rather say, I know. I know. Because by your spirit, you know it. I know. I don't feel it, but I know. It revealed to my spirit. I know it. So God is a spirit, and we are, so in Genesis, in um, And the spirit of God dwells in us. In John 3, 6, let me read this one. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Are we not the ones born of the spirit that are spirit? Created in the image of God to be like God. So we can have fellowship with the father and the spirit. Said Our fellowship is with the father and the spirit. So that's why the spirit of God will witness with your spirit. Share with your spirit in fellowship what God is doing. So you don't get your flesh is totally totally irrelevant. And then the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. In Acts 7, 48, How be it the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands? As said the prophet, heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, said the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? Had not my hand made all distance? So in 1 Corinthians three sixteen. He said, know you not that you are the temple of God. So where the temple God says my handmaid, because he created you a spirit. That your spirit is his temple where he lives. He said, I don't live in a house built with hands. So he created us a temple, a place of habitation for him. So you' now saying, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. When he means you, it's not in your flesh, it's in your spirit. If any man defy the, the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of god is holy which temple you are let no man deceive himself if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world let him become let him become let him become a fool that he may be wise then in verse uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 5. for we know that when this earthly tent you see he calls this body earthly tent this body is earthly tent it's earthly tent for your spirit and your spirit is spiritual tent for the spirit of God. This body is earthly tent. So it's not spiritual. God can fellowship with it. But it houses your spirit. So if this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. Who is the we? It's your spirit. Because when this body is taken down, we bury it, it goes. We say it at the, the dust the dust, it decays, smells quickly. But we. Why is it talking of we? We have a house in heaven. Who is the we? An eternal body is you. Your spirit is the real you, made for us by God Himself. Your spirit is still alive and is in heaven. Your spirit is still alive and is in heaven. So the Holy Spirit lives in you, and because He lives in you, He will communicate to you from within you, from where He lives, from where. He lives from where he lives. I want to finish 2 Corinthians five. 5. Okay, I think I've finished it altogether. Okay, so, so now I think this is a clear point that we do understand that the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit and will communicate with your spirit, having fellowship with your spirit, and then your spirit will let you know what God is talking about because your body is the house, is the tent in which is the house in which... Your spirit lives, and your spirit is the house, the temple, in which the Holy Spirit lives. Now, the reason that God can't communicate with our flesh is Isaiah 55:8. We show you why there can't be this fellowship between God and man in his flesh. Sorry, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. You see, the, the natural man, his thoughts are not God's thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. So God can't have. There can't be agreement. There can't be fellowship with our flesh said the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so that the color mindedness the color flesh it's totally different god is going one direction he's going the other, the other direction so there can't be fellowship there can't be sharing proverbs 14 12. there is a way that similar right unto man but the end thereof is the word of death you see see all this i figured out this i figured out once you start figuring it out you are following your flesh following your flesh and God says the ways of that flesh are not my ways at all because I'm a spirit that flesh is not a spirit so guidance cannot come through our flesh now even our spirit talks to God 1 Corinthians 14, 14 for if I pray in an unknown tongue my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays but my mind is unproductive it bears no fruit and helps nobody so my natural mind keeps quiet my spirit is now talking By the utterance that the Holy Spirit gives it. Because the Holy Spirit and my spirit work together. So it gives my spirit utterance. For if I pray in an unknown unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit with me, within me, prays. The spirit gives utterance to my my spirit. And my spirit talks to God. Because when you pray in the spirit, you are talking to God, not to man. So my spirit communicates with God. And the Holy Spirit gives his utterance. So my flesh, my intellect is... Irrelevant, is unproductive at the time because they can't have fellowship with my with my, that. My so they shut it up. So it's not part of this thing that is, is going on here. Now, the main problem we have, which I will end with, is renewing the mind. For the Christian to live with the conviction and consciousness that he is a spirit being in whom God lives. This is a major issue. And that is why you can see a little girl like Paul saw, demonized, saying things, and you may not be able to discern it. Because you live by, you don't live by the consciousness of being a spirit man in whom Christ lives, in whom the Holy Spirit lives. You don't live in consciousness of the communion between the Holy Spirit and your spirit. You are carnally minded. And that's what produces carnal character. You know, we need to win ourselves from this long time because we've lived this, this way all our lives. All our lives. There are many things we really consistently follow to a very co- practical conclusion. Because we hear someone, we hear the word of God. Oh, we applaud it. Wonderful. Oh, man, this is good. But let me tell you, most of that summer we don't do it. And the reason we don't do it is because we live, we live by our kind of senses. We leave the church. We resort to seeing ourselves by natural means. We resort to information by natural means. We re- we live in the natural relay because we live there for years, and everything God taught you, you don't even remember most of it. You don't remember most of it, and so we give mental assent to it. Praise it, man! The word was good. Also, in fact, sometimes we clap, you know, like like a, you know, applauding God, which is which is carnality. applauding God, clapping for God. God is not an entertainer. His word is it's a, it's a word of soberness. It's not for entertainment. Again, that's carnality. We don't know the value of that. When Israel heard the word of God, they were they were crying, and the, the prophet told them, saying, No, this is not this not the day to cry. It's The day to meditate on this scripture. So, because we are. We are not conscious of that we are spirit, that Christ lives in us. We, 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 the communion of the Holy Spirit doesn't come through to us. Our flesh wages it. We get out of the church. Even in the parking lot while we are greeting, we are, not, we are not conscious of that. We begin to immediately live by the flesh. Immediately. Immediately. And evaluating ourselves after the inner man, is one is very important. And let me say something: the guidance of the Holy Spirit will not be very effective in your life as long as your mind, your spirit, you are carnally minded. As long as your your mind is on, on your carnal nature and doing things the carnal way because you are used to doing that, it will be tough because the part of you that is you are too conscious about does not relate with God, it does not relate with God at all does not relate with God. You remember, out of sight, it's out of mind. If, if being a spirit being and Christ living in you is out of your sight, it's not in your radar. It's out of your mind. So how do we really d- develop faith? When faith is about things unseen, how do we? How do we walk in faith? And how do we live in the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom that, that is not of this world? It's a spirit kingdom. It's a spirit kingdom. Is a spirit, kingdom. it's not a natural kingdom. How do we live in it? How do we live the spirit life then? How do we? I mean, you can try to be a good person through manage your character, which is total classic canality, managing your character because you are resorting to self-help, managing your character, trying to look good in church, you know, sweep things under the carpet. But that's not spirit life. That's not spirit life at all. You're not, you live spirit life by faith in Christ and what is done. So I'm going to continue next Thursday from along this line, and then we now go into the real gardens. What we did was to do some foundational things and clear off some things that will help us so that next time we go into how we are really, really led by the Spirit of God. Let us pray. Precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have again to have had your word. Pray, Lord, that you help us to give attention to these things. To pay attention, we live in the last days. This is not a dress rehearsal. We are living real life, real life. There are traps of the enemy that is blinding the devil tries to do. Father, only your word leads us away from these things. I'm praying that you help us that we give heed to these things that you are telling us this evening. So that we begin to understand how you lead us, not by our flesh, but by our spirit. So that our communion with you will become, come alive. It will come alive. It will come alive. And you will lead us in the best part of our lives. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.